This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey there, welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. Yes, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? Oh my goodness! What a difference a week makes. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm. I'm not. I'm not complaining. But no. yeah, I guess it's. It could be quite jarring for the gardens. Yeah. Oh no! The gardens are perking along. The birds are nonstop singing. Yeah. It's. Uh, it's a busy waking up world where I live. Yeah, mine too. It's it's so much fun. I love this time of year, just perusing through the gardens. I'm sure all of our listeners are doing the same thing. They're walking through the gardens and they're seeing all sorts of things pop up everywhere. Mm-hmm. For sure. So why don't you do the numbers and a couple of quick updates and yep. um, we'll be good to go. I'm sure we have callers that have. I'm sure we will. Yes, indeed. So if you live in Toronto, uh, the number to call is 416-360-0740 or anywhere else in the province of Ontario. It's a toll-free call by dialing one 866 740 for 740. And please let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller, and I will give you your very spring-like garden wings. We want you to call often. We want you to call early. And one question per call, please. Okay, what you got there, Charlie? Uh, well, I just wanted to uh, mention that tomorrow, <clears throat> if people want to get out and about and go to the Toronto Botanical Gardens, there is a meeting of the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society. They're a pretty cool group. They they cover a big wad of plants. There's some real amazing specialists who belong and, and lots of keen hobby gardeners. So it, as far as I know, it's free to attend. Tomorrow, 1 to 4 p.m., of course, the Toronto Botanical Gardens are at 777 Lawrence Avenue East. And the uh, event tomorrow is called A Garden from Scratch, the development of our Galloway Garden since 2010. And you say, what? What's a Galloway Garden? Well, I've never heard of that. (laughs) Yeah, so these are some people who um, created and built a new garden over the past 10 years. The garden has rocks, boulders, scree, and crevice beds, a stumpery, and a pond. Uh, And, um, yeah, including a New Zealand bed. So these people are specialists in very specific kind of gardening. And uh, they are now retired, so they've got lots they've learned and lots to share. Wonderful. That sounds really, really great, actually. Um, I uh, I have had to do some gardens from scratch a few times in my life. For you. <laughs> I call it cutting a new garden, right? Yeah. Uh, not, the, not the situation in the home that we live in now. We, uh, we inherited a lot. And so, huh. and that's a whole other challenge, I think. When you move into a new house, I guess, and you inherit stuff, you have to kind of figure out what is underneath the ground. Right, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, Let me see here. I have got, also, you sent me something about Earth Day, which is, of course, coming up uh, on the 22nd 
of April. Mind you, this event is happening on April 23rd in Downsview Park. And there's there's lots happening here. There's there's uh, getting up and close and personal with birds of prey. Uh, they're inviting you to tour a beehive with the Toronto beekeepers. And and oh, and here it sounds good. Enjoy a campfire <laughs> with marshmallows. So I'm into that. It's, it's an all. So, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, but I was going to say, it, it's kind of cool because that's Earth Day, and Earth Day is happening on a Sunday. So I'm sure there'll be right. lots of Earth Day events going on all over the, the country and the province. So we'll certainly hopefully get more more suggestions on events to take part in. Yes, indeed. And it's for all ages, and it's open up to everybody in the community. So anybody is is uh, in, in uh, invited to come down. Okay, so there you go. Lots and lots of festivities. Uh, that again, Sunday, April 23rd. It says here from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Downsview Park. In uh, the North Toronto, basically. There you go. Okay. So uh, um, I'd love to hear from some of our callers if they'd like to share what bulbs have popped up in their gardens? This is always the joy. One of the joys of spring is because we do all that work. We're out in November and it's raining and it's snowing and it's cold and we're on our hands and knees planting these little brown bits of, of you know, dried up whatever, right? Like who knows, you know, you just, it's so hard to imagine what they're going to be. And yeah. now here we are months later and wow, like check it out. It's uh, just color. I mean, some, of course, where I live, it's a little cooler, I think, than some people's. But yeah, lots coming up and lots to just make me smile. And what do you have coming up in your garden right now? If you uh, Do you have a well, few things? In, in terms of bulbs, I have yeah. planted a bunch of daffodils last year, but I've also planted them in the past. So I've got daffodils coming up all over. Hyacinths, one of my favorite bulbs. They're the really fragrant ones. Yes. Uh, coming up. Uh, tulips, not showing any color yet, except the little species tulips, the little tiny ones. Mm -hmm. I have some of those showing some color. And then I love the really early, the uh, crocuses, the scylla, which is the little blue, really beautiful blue little bells. Oh, just okay. A, almost iridescent blue. Yeah. I uh, China doxa, which is, again, is an early little white, sort of a snowflakey kind of a bulb. I have mini, miniature daffodils coming up. I still have snowdrops blooming. So, And as I mentioned, crocuses, grape hyacinths. I, I've got just an amazing array coming up all over the place, uh, but there's always room for more. <laughs> beautiful. It sounds just gorgeous. Okay, we are going to take our first pause. Uh, we have some callers lined up. We will be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show. And, uh, Charlie, let's go to our first caller, because we have some on the line, as I say. Let's go to uh, Janet, who is calling from Hamilton. Welcome to The Garden Show, Janet. Good morning. Welcome, folks. Um, I have bought a, I'm not going to pronounce it right, but I'll try. I bought a Dracaena marginata, and I bought a Dracaena cinso. Um, they're in seven-inch pots. I'd like to bring them in in the winter. Can I take the whole pot and plop it in like a 20-inch and just put soil over it and then bring it back in in the winter? Is that doable? Oh, I see. So you, you would leave it in its existing pot and just put it into exactly. a bigger pot? Right, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Why not? Um, you can do that. The um, one thing you don't so – you don't want to bury the stem – a multi inches deeper than it currently is buried in its current pot. 
Okay. So just something to keep in mind. So I guess it depends how much of a lip there is between the top of the pot it's in now and the soil level. Because you're going to want to not see that inner pot once you stick it into the bigger one. Um, Yeah, so maybe about halfway. Halfway would do probably. Well, no, you can definitely bring the soil up to the soil. So you've got your level, soil levels the same. But I'm just wondering, usually with our potted plants, there's a gap or space between the top of the pot and where the soil is inside the pot. Yeah, about two inches. Go ahead. About two inches worth. Right. So, yeah. So what I suggest, when you drop that current pot into the bigger pot and you surround the whole thing with soil bring the soil on the outer part of the you know the 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 bigger pot up to the level it is level with the inner pot then use some potting like a good quality potting soil and add about half an inch to the inner pot so what you can do is over a period of weeks is you can bring that soil level up by increments so that on the outer pot, again, you can bring the soil up by increments just so you can hide the not very pretty lip if it's going to be a problem. Okay. Uh, and normal fertilizing that I would put on any any other plant? Yes, indeed. Keep in mind, too, though, the drainage will be very slow when you've got a pot inside a pot. So okay. um, be very careful. Don't overwater. Okay. That's great. Thank you, Charlie. Have a good weekend. You, too. Good luck with that. That is some serious planning ahead. Here we are. Things are just coming outside, and we're it's, that's great. That's great forward thinking. Already planning on how we're going to bring it in. Well, or how we're going to have it outside for the summer too, because you know that's a great way to. Tropicals love to be outside, and, and pretty much any of your house plants would love to be outside if you've got the right sort of conditions for them: the the sun, the shade, the whatever it is they need. Even our uh, things like the Christmas cactus would that go outside as well? Does that like to be out? Oh, for sure. They love to be outside. They'll they'll double their size if you put them outside. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, don't put them directly into the sun. I mean, this is a good time to remind people. Yeah. When we first take our plants out, they are not ready for the real world. So we very, introduce them gently and slowly. Start in the shade. Start in a protected from the wind location. And even with the case of a Christmas cactus, you're going to ultimately end up in sun, but it's going to take you, you know, two weeks to get there. It's a slow process. Okay, fair enough. But it's going to love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, you won't believe the buds you'll have when you bring it in next October. Oh, okay. Done. We're going to do that. I don't think we've, I don't, we don't normally do that. So we will do that. Okay. Okay. Let's go to uh, Barry now. We have uh, Gene on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Gene. Good morning, Charlie. You are my inspiration. I'm now a good gardener for indoor plants. Our daughter is shocked to see my indoor plants thriving. And you just said to the last caller, don't overwater. Well, that was me. Every time they got droopy, I watered and they died. Um, My question this morning is she wants to try to rejuvenate the grass under a sugar maple on our front lawn. Uh, Some of the roots are showing. Please help. Okay, so what's happened, of course, is the sugar maple has grown roots high in the surface of the lawn because the watering that you've been doing with a sprinkler has only been watering the top inch or so of the lawn, and the maple responds by growing roots that will uh, catch that water. So, number one, if if you have trees in your lawn, 
make sure you're always watering very deeply for the trees. So it's a slow trickle, encourage deep roots, and then you won't have that issue with roots up on the surface, which is always challenging for mowing uh, and walking, and etc. So you can, under maple, you're always going to struggle with a good lawn. Lawns, think of the prairies, they like their big sky, they like their sun, uh, and you're not, never going to have that beneath a dense, the dense shade of a maple. I would, if it was my maple and my lawn, I wouldn't even try growing lawn. I would create a garden or even just, you know, the round circle that we have around our trees where we obviously mm -hmm. have mulch because we don't want to whippersnip the bark of our trees. I would just make that circle bigger or oval or something so that I'm not even struggling to make a lawn there. And then look for some nice shade tolerant. There's so many lovely shade tolerant plants that can go into that new garden area. Now, you're going to have to add soil. You're going to have to add good quality triple mix, uh, even garden soil mixed with manure, whatever. You're going to have to puff up and, you know, beef up that soil under that maple to plant. And you're going to plant in between the roots. So it's a it's a you, you work your way with a trowel, finding your little planting pockets, and then you pop some plants into the area. And it's a process of getting a garden going under the maple. But um, it's doable. You're not going to raise the soil level by a foot or anything dramatic, uh, but a couple of inches is fine. Wonderful. Thank you, Charlie. Take care. Bye. Thanks for calling. Okay, yeah, thanks for the call there, Gene. Okay, I'm going to give those numbers out again. We uh, we have callers on the line, but we also have uh, lots of room. We'd love for you to call earlier rather than later with your question. Uh, 416-360-0740, that's the Toronto number, or anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it is toll-free. won't cost you anything. 1-866-740-4740. And uh, we have to take a short break. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on the Garden Show. And Charlie, uh, when we chatted just prior to showtime, uh, you you called it. You kind of expected that we were going to get a bunch of callers in today <laughs> because, of course, there's been such a shift in the weather this week. We've had, I mean, that sunshine that we talked about has really pro is prompting things to really pop. But we haven't had a lot of rain, though, and certainly not in our neck of the woods here. So should we should we be concerned about that at this point, or is it too early? Yeah, don't worry yet. There's lots of rain in the forecast. I think starting tomorrow night where I live, it's going to rain all day Monday, like Sunday night, all day Monday, and then sporadically through Tuesday. So, yeah, don't panic. There's still rain coming. And there's lots of moisture in the soil as well. And I think, you know, it's for me, all this sunshine, warmth and sunshine has just really lightened my mood. I'm just in a better mm -hmm. mood. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think, again, we were chatting, saying, I think January or February, they were saying was the, the gloomiest, non-sunshiniest uh, on record for a, a number of decades. It was just really, and it took, it, I think it takes a toll on a lot of people. Yeah, no question. Yeah, exactly. It's, and you don't really realize it. It's kind of dragging you down and stealing your, your energy. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden you get a bunch of sun and it's like, whoa, look out world. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, well, I'll take it, as I say. Uh, the other thing I'm enjoying are all these callers that are coming through. Uh, we're going to go to Toronto now. We have um, we have Elizabeth on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Elizabeth. I have a very timely question. I received many, many pots of Easter um, lilies, white. Um, they're in the pots, and they're, um, you know, finished their lifespan for this year. My question is that I would like to be able to plant them uh, next year in the garden um, to come up next year, and I'm wanting to know how I should store them. I can store them outside. I've got lots of space, and then what I should do with the plants in the pots right now. Yeah, no, great. You're right. That's a very timely question. So the plants that are in the pots right now, they finished blooming, but you have allowed the green stems and green leaves to remain? Question? The, 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 um, the, the flowers have finished, and I've deadheaded the flowers, and the green are still very healthy. Perfect. So your job is to keep them indoors in a sunny window, only water as required. So, um, you know, they think once they need water, give them water. Once we're frost free, you can take them outside and you can leave them in their pots and let them just be green plants. Now, they won't stay green forever. They and they'll use less and less water, just like our daffodils and our tulips. They've kind of maxed out with their flowering. Now they produce all these green leaves, which is going to fatten up the bulb for next year. Uh, so six to eight to ten weeks after the flowers are done, you've got a shriveled up green, what was a green stem with green leaves attached, is all yellow. At that point, the bulb is dormant, no water, of course. And then it's just a question of planting them wherever you want, whenever you want to come up again in your garden next year. So I can plant them right away. I would, if you can. I mean, by that time, it's going to be maybe June, and your garden might be so full, you, you it's hard for you to get in there. So, you know, you can wait and, and pot, um, plant them out into the garden in September, October. But, but if you're going to do that, then just make sure that they're not getting rained on in those pots. Can I, thank you, can I also, do I leave the bulb whole, or do I break them up like uh, garlic? Oh, my. Uh, you could, because every single one of those little, they look like white leaves. Every single one of those technically can produce a plant, but they will not flower for a number of years. Those would be very immature plants if you break them up. And you're going for flowers, I think, more than leaves. Right. So you're right. You could produce, every one bulb can produce 25 plants, but you will not see any flowers for many, many years. So I would plant them intact. Wonderful. Thank you ever so much. I <laughs> you're really very, appreciate very welcome. Okay, yeah, thanks, Elizabeth. That's uh, about how many how many years are we talking, uh, Charlie? Like, 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 truly, how long would it take for us to get flowers from those little ones? Oh, it depends. Well, they come up; they're just tiny little plants. It mm-hmm. uh, depends on the soil and the winters and everything else. But you know, minimum five years, I'd say, maybe longer. Okay, gotcha. Okay, we have a uh, first-time caller on the line. We're staying in the city of Toronto for this call. We're going to Mary, and as I say, she's a first-time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Mary. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking uh, my call. I enjoy yeah, your program I, t- tremendously. My excellent. I'm going to give you your garden wings before you ask the question, okay? There you go. <laughs> there you are, my dear. Welcome to the show. Thank you. 
I have a rhododendron facing north mm-hmm. and with sun coming, oh, mid-afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it has no buds. What Aww. has happened? Did it have buds last fall? It, uh, it flowered last year. Mm-hmm, yeah, <clears throat> they flower in the spring, they grow all summer, and they yep. set their bulbs, rhododendrons set their buds in the late fall. So right. as winter comes on, you should see the flower buds on the plant before winter. No, there's none there. It's so just a fuzzy did you, uh, black. Okay, did you prune it at all? No, I didn't. Okay, it's good. It's relatively small. You, it's only a, a two-year-old. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, okay. When a rhododendron doesn't set buds, it's because it's been pruned at the wrong time, which you say you didn't do. And that's where the buds get removed. Number two, uh, is it a happy plant? Does it have lots of leaves? Are they shiny? Are they green? They seem to be. Okay. So that's good. What I would do, and you are in Toronto. Um, all right. How much, uh, uh, so facing north, so are you getting like direct sunlight on that plant like for four or five hours or just for an hour or two? No, we, there's a big maple next door, so it oh, does shield it. And it's just about three o'clock in the afternoon that the sun comes through. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because rhododendrons, they want brightness, but they don't they don't want the hot, hot, hot sun. And of course, the western sun can be very, very hot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been there about two mm-hmm. years. And it bloomed last year and... Did, did you just plant it last year or you planted it oh, the year, year before? before. Okay. Um, one th- what I would do, uh, I would leave it where it is for now and try this coming growing season to uh-huh. do a few things. One is make sure that the soil is acidic. How do you make sure that the soil is acidic? You can do a very simple pH test on the soil with a pH meter mm-hmm. <clears throat> because rhododendrons like a, an acidic soil. So that means, you know... Sick, even if it's a pH of six or five and a bit, that would be great. And I would get a hold of very specific fertilizer. So rhododendron food or rhododendron fertilizer or acid-loving plant fertilizer is what you want. And then you'll use it according to directions. Um, and if and it always has sulfur in it, <clears throat> the fertilizer will help lower the pH. And then make sure the plant doesn't suffer for lack of water. Rhodos are very, very shallow rooted, so Mm -hmm. never dig around the plant. The roots are right on the surface. So if you're cultivating, it's very gently around the plant. So do everything to kind of coddle it this summer, feeding it, making sure it's well watered, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I wrap my roto for the winter just to protect it from the wind because it's very windy where I am. But if you have a big maple, maybe it's not too windy. And see what happens. You should see buds this fall. If you don't, call me back and we'll talk about moving that plant. Okay. Oh, thanks ever so much. You're welcome. I truly enjoy your program. All the best. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much, Mary. Uh, Charlie, just want to give those numbers out again. Uh, We do have room on the lines. uh, 416-360-0740. That is the number you use if you live in the city of Toronto. But if you live outside Toronto, anywhere in the province of Ontario, uh, I have a toll-free number for you to use. 1-866-740-740. 4740. There you go. Okay, let's go to another first-time caller. We have Donna on the line, and she is calling from uh, from Peterborough. We're going to the uh, east eastern side of the province. Welcome, uh, Donna. 
Thank you very much. Can you hear me okay? I can. Can you hear your garden wings? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, I appreciate uh, you taking my call. I have a question about lavender. Um, For the last few years, we've been trying to nurture some lavender in our garden, and unfortunately our soil is quite clay, um, and we have modified it with some sand and some gravel, and we have one area that's doing quite well, so we're happy with that spot. And the other area... Uh, which I don't think is getting enough sun, it's not doing well, and we want to move the lavender from the area that's not working into the area that's working, and I'm just not sure when to do that or how to do that. Hmm. <clears throat> no, it's good, good catch on your part. It probably is the lack of sun that's causing the plant to struggle a bit because lavender likes the more sun, the better, right? The full, full day sun is what lavender needs. And you're right as well, well-drained soil. So sandy, gravelly, well-drained, not soggy soil. Uh, if you want to move, I would plan to move now, um, okay. this time of year, sometime in the next week two weeks, three weeks, prepare your spot where you're going. When you dig the plants, be prepared to do some cutting back to the top of the plant because you're going to be doing some uh, cutting to roots when you do your movement, your transplanting. Try and keep the soil around the roots, move fairly quickly so that it's dig, lift, over, down into the ground, uh, planting at the same height that it was or slightly higher because it will sink down. Okay, yes. And when you mention cutting, cutting, so I've got probably about three plants that have to move. And when you mentioned about cutting them back, so you're talking about, I've never done that. When you cut top, cut back the top? Yeah, yeah. And what, from what I've learned, I mean, lavender can be a bit challenging to grow if you don't have the perfect environment. Um, what I've learned, because it will get old and woody, so real like, like, trunks kind of stems and branches so not very pretty at the bottom of the plant so um in my best experience and even in a fairly clay soil when lavender has really worked well i shear it uh in september so shearing meaning just you know with a pair of scissors or pruners and what you're shearing is approximately one third of that year's growth because every year you'll get that flush and it might be six or eight or nine inches of brand new um, growth so at the end of the season you remove a third of that okay all right i haven't been doing that so i can do that now when i move these three little plants yes okay perfect good stuff good luck with that Okay, yeah, okay. Thank thanks for the uh, thanks for the lavender question there, uh, Donna. Okay, bye bye. Uh, yeah, have a good day. Uh, now, Charlie, you know uh, it's it's prompted me to think about my lavender bush because my uh, as you know we've we inherited one and it's a bit woody. Um, and some years we get a really really bumper crop, and other years we don't. And I'm wondering now if I should also should I shear it or wait till the fall? Uh, but like I said, the best time to shear is late summer, early okay. fall. Uh, okay. But you know what? Take a look at it. If you go out there and sort of get down close and personal with your lavender, you do want to remove anything that's clearly dead. And there will be maybe some tips. Like where you live, you're pretty much guaranteed snow every winter. And that snow yes. really protects the lavender. And it's the best. Um, <clears throat> for people in like where I am, and you've got the wind and potentially no snow, it's a much different situation. And that's what kills the lavender over the winter. So just look closely, remove anything dead, clean it up, 
Um, you could just do maybe not as much as a third of last year's growth because it might not be that obvious. But even mm-hmm. just tip pruning right now will help the plant. It'll help it to bush out and be a denser, better looking plant. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, it, our bush is right on the edge of the driveway. And it's interesting because it's, well, I guess what you say about the snow, it's where a lot of the snow from the driveway gets dumped. So it gets a huge, huge covering of it. And I, and I didn't realize that, of course, it's doing a good job. It's protecting it. As long as it's not salty snow, you're good. No, we never, we don't put down the salt. We just get rid of it. So there you go. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have Jean on the line from Barrie. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Charlie, I have an unofficial uh, competition going. A friend of ours <laughs> and myself bought apple trees last year. And uh, so far, one of theirs has died, and I, my three have thrived. I don't know how many they planted. Now, my question is, what do I spray and when? I don't want to kill it after the TLC that I've given it so far. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> That's great. So three trees, of course, three different varieties of apple, right? No. Oh. All, all the same. Oops. All the same. Do you have crab apples or neighbors with apples in the neighborhood? Yeah, not that I know of. Right. We're, on, we're on a farm, and we've got 100, 140 acres, so neighbors aren't close. Mm-hmm. So the challenge is... <clears throat> apples, in order to get fruit, of course, it's insects that pollinate the apple trees, and they fly from flower to flower, moving pollen just by coincidence. And the problem with having all the same variety is that apples will not gladly accept their own pollen. They want pollen from a different apple and or crab apple so when you've got three the same variety and the bees are flitting back and forth as far as the trees are concerned the pollen from the other tree is its own pollen it it doesn't differentiate when it's exactly the same variety because genetically they're identical so you may not you may find you will not get a ton of fruit as a result of not having that cross-pollination opportunity at the end of this the flowering season if the apple still hasn't received pollen from a different plant, they'll throw their hands up and go, fine, I'll take my own pollen. And so you will get a few apples, but you won't get as many as you should. So just be aware of that. You may need to get out and get yourself another apple that's not the same variety that will bloom at roughly the same time because there's early, mid and late blooming apples as well. Um, In terms of the spray, so remember, uh, early in the season, we prune our apples. We prune them for their health. <clears throat> so any dead, any diseased, or any damaged branches are removed on a nice dry day as early in the season as possible. And now, at this time, you get yourself something called dormant spray. And dormant spray oh. is a mix of lime sulfur and dormant oil. And you apply it according to the directions on the package uh, and also according to the, the temperatures. It's got to be above zero. It's got to be uh, no wind. And it's got to be no rain for at least 24 hours. But, yes, the only and most important spray you can do in the entire year for your apple trees is a dormant spray. And you do it now. Now, assuming they're not blooming. Okay, so I have three of one kind. I'll run out today and I'll buy some more. 
should I, the other, I'll get three more, and should they be a different variety, each one? If you can. Yep, the more you can mix up the pollen, the more fruit you're going to get. I'm going to send you an apple pie. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love it. Do it, do it. Bye for I now. love it. Bye. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the fall already. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. Okie dokie. I had no idea, again, that uh, that uh, having fruit on apple trees was uh, such a science like that. That's crazy. Well, it's, but you've heard of that, cross-pollination, haven't you? I have. I have. Yeah, I just didn't realize. I, I guess I always assumed that if I drove by an orchard that it would be all the same apples. I just, no, I never. Mixed. No, usually they'll plant, if it's a big orchard, they'll plant rows of different varieties mm. side by side. Same with corn. You know what? Right. You can't just plant one seed package of corn and expect to get corn. Hmm. You have to plant two kinds of corn in order to get the fruit. It's it's the way the plants evolved, and it's obviously uh, been very good for their evolution and their survival. Uh, it, requiring cross-pollination mixes up the genetics, and that is a good thing. And that, Charlie Dobbin, is why you have had a garden show for well over a decade and a half, <laughs> because you are so smart when it comes to things about plants and such. So there you go. My head's getting so big, I might not get through my door. Well, it is well earned. Okay, <laughs> we have to take a break, um, but I have callers on the line from uh, Ontario and from south of the border, and I also have room on the line. So give us a call. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. We are back here on The Garden Show. Uh, we do have uh, about 15 more minutes. I'm going to give the numbers out again, 416-360-0740 or one 740 for 740 Let's go to our next caller. It's a first-timer. Yeah, we have uh, uh, Sandra. Calling from Lindsay, Ontario. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sandra. Hi. I'm Hi. I want, for... I'm giving... There's your garden wings there, Sandra. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Hi. I'm looking for a plant where I, um, it's called Italian bellflower or Star of Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Campanula. And I wondered oh. if there's anywhere where I could get get a plant like that for like a house plant oh wait a minute <clears throat> you just mentioned a bunch of different plants there so a companula but also known as star of bethlehem yes uh, and i don't think you would want it to be a house plant well i used to have one that was a house plant oh yeah okay hold on let me just check but it i mean i had it for years and then it Kind of just gave up the ghost, and I've been trying to find one now for quite a while. Hmm. Um, hmm. Okay, so I'm just double checking quickly here. Pardon? I'm just double checking. I think what you'll find is that this particular plant does better outside, which is why it gave up the ghost inside. Um, It is a lovely, it's a perennial plant, it blooms all summer right through till frost um it tracks butterflies and hummingbirds and all kinds of cool things so it's a but it needs full sun it needs really well drained soil because it's a small kind of a creeping plant 
And the challenge is where would you buy it in the Lindsay area? You probably want for that specific plant, look online. I would just do a search. Uh, if you want to write this down, as you know, it is a campanula. Um, the, the specific campanula it is, is isophyla. So yeah, I as an icicle, S as in Sam, O, P, H, Y, L, L, A. So isophyla, campanula isophyla. So if you want that specific plant, just search online. You may be able to order something like that to be sent from a nursery, you know, as a dormant root. And this is the time of year they would be sending things like that. Because um, otherwise... I had uh, it as a hanging house plant for about 20 years. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it does grow as a, it can be done. So um, just a matter of getting a hold of finding it. That'll be your biggest challenge. Um, in your area, you know, your Loblaws and your various garden centers might just have it. But if you're looking for that specific plant, I'd probably search online. Okay. Okay. And it would, I, they oh. would be able to send it to me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all about mail order when it comes to lots of plants get shipped. Don't worry. It's just you'll have to find a Canadian site because they don't don't typically ship plants over the border. No, no. Okay, that's great oh. then. Thank you very much. Good luck yeah. with that. Yeah, great. Thanks for the call there, Sandra. Thank you. Okay, uh, you know what we're going to do, Charlie? We're going to, we have a few callers on the line, but I have to take one more break, so we're going to do that right now. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. I am Dean Holland, and we're going to go now to a caller from New York State. We have uh, we have Tom on the line. Welcome to The Garden Show, Tom. To you on this uh, middle of the summer day. It got up to over 80 degrees here yesterday. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have a question about amaryllis. Surprise, surprise, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have an, uh, quite a few amaryllis um, plants, and I want to put them out on my porch. I've never put them outside before, <laughs> but I have a lot of squirrels in the area. Do, would they eat the bulbs? I, you know what? I have never seen mm-hmm. squirrels go near my amaryllis, which is oh. not to say that they might you never know. Squirrels are pretty unpredictable. Um, but it does seem, the thing is, they, I can see them wanting to eat amaryllis if there's nothing else to eat. But there's lots to eat now and for the next six months. So to go to all the trouble of, they might dig around, try and fiddle around in the pot. So if you can protect uh, something as simple as the old dollar store forks, the, the plastic forks, where you break off the handle and then stick them in around the bulbs, just three or four per pot, whatever will fit with the tines sticking up, but down deep enough that they're not, you don't have to see them. The squirrels won't be able to touch the the bulbs if you don't allow them to dig in the soil around them. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good idea. I guess I'll give it a try. Thank you much. All right. Yeah. Putting them out is very, very good for them. They love it. You'll find they'll just grow by leaps and bounds outside. Don't put them in full sun. Put them in part day sun, part day shade. Of course, keep them in their pots and water as necessary. Now, they'll be getting morning sun, so that shouldn't be bad for them. 
I have one in bud right now. I, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Okay. Yeah, thanks, thanks Tom. Calling. Well, and, you've, and Tom reminded me, you know, it's time to uh, revisit the uh, the idea of the uh, garden show slingshot, you know, to get the, you know, <laughs> whip those nuts of the squirrels. who are. <laughs> well, and he also reminded us that the amaryllis just keeps on. They giving. just, they, they do. <laughs> they do indeed. Okay, let's go to Susan in Burlington. Uh, welcome to the garden show, Susan. Good morning. Thanks Good morning. for taking my call. Yeah. Our pleasure. I... Uh, inherited some roses with this house. We've been here about 10 years now, and I I have uh, tried pruning them. I think they're very old roses. Right now, I, I have a lot of crossing branches and very thick, like over an inch um, thick, older Kids. branches that have spread out like five feet across. It's a south-facing brick wall that they're climbing on. And Mm. should I, I now have about five stems coming out of the big root. Should I cut out the two really old roots or stems? Canes. Um, Canes. All right, just to be clear, so these are all climbing roses? How many are there? Uh, Well, it's one plant. Uh, I have I have three of these old plants that have all kind of branched like crazy. And, you know, when I read about how to prune, I've never had roses before. So mm-hmm. I read about it and said, cut out things that are crossing. But which one do I cut? Because <laughs> in some places I've got like four canes all crossing on top of each other. Okay, well, so this is, um, I know, and you it's too bad you didn't call me 10 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, this is where you put I on your leather gauntlets and your leather jacket and your hooded, you know, hard hat, et cetera, et cetera. And you get down on your hands and knees. If they're shrub roses, then you literally are going to be down on your hands and knees with a very sharp pair of loppers, not pruners, because these canes are just too big and too right. old and too woody. Uh-huh. And uh, this is is the time of year that you can do some pretty radical pruning right so you've got multi overlapping rubbing together damaging itself um, canes you're gonna have to look it's a bit hard to to you know tell you exactly which one on the radio but know in your heart of hearts that the way a rose should grow is from the center of the plant call that the crown all the canes or the branches should radiate out from the center. So if I look down on a rose, particularly after I've pruned it now in the spring, it should look like an open hand. So the palm is where the the crown would be, and all the canes are radiating out from that crown. If it's a very big old rose, um, I probably wouldn't, you know, you're not going to take 90% of the plant away, it will probably kill it if you do that. But you can take away as much as 50 to 60% of the plant. So you're going to have to study it. You're going to have to say, okay, I'll take out one of these really big ones this year. Once that's out. Pardon? Right down at the bottom. Yep, right down at the bottom. And so when you take that out, of course, you're going to have to chop it in in pieces so you can get it out. And then you're going to stand back and you're going to prune everything else back down to try and minimize uh, rubbing break um, and damaging. You're going to look for dead wood. Uh, You you know, it's just one of those things. You're going to have to kind of study the plant. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
at the end of the day, like I said, if 50 to 60% of the plant has been removed, it should be fine. If maybe you could even take out two of those big, old, heavy branches and still be within that that 50 to 60% removal. Uh, but that's what ultimately, if you want to rejuvenate it, that's what you're going to have to do. And it'll take a couple of years to really get it so that you've got all fairly fresh, young growth. It, it's, it's a very um, vibrant plant. Like it just, it almost takes over the wall. It spreads out like six feet wide and it grows yeah. right up to the eaves, like eight feet high. And it's wow. got bloom. It, it was a little sparse bloom. I think it didn't quite get enough water last year, but um, it's a crazy plant and I, I don't want to <laughs> kill it. No, no. And roses, people think they're a lot of work, but they can, they don't have to be a lot of work. It's, this is the time to do that pruning though. So you're, it's good time to call. Also consider top dressing with some quality organic material. Roses really, really need, um, you know, good fertile soil. I usually will also fertilize with a synthetic rose food in the spring, but that's really the only time I ever fertilize, but make sure that the soil is in good condition and prune away. Like, don't be afraid. It, you won't kill it as long as you, you know, clean cuts, dry day, make sure your cuts are angled so that water will not sit on the cut ends. You know, you don't want the horizontal uh, parallel to the ground because rain will sit and rot the cane. So everything's got a bit of a an angle to make sure water always drips off the cuts that you're making. All right. Okay, there you go. Um, <clears throat> let me see. Wow. Should we? Should we? Uh, should we go for this? I'm not no, sure. No, I think we're too tight. No, I think we're too tight. Yeah, I think Stop. we'll have to uh, maybe apologize. We can't get to this last caller, but uh, hopefully we'll get them to call back on another occasion. Well, great, yes. great show there, Charlie. Thank you. And that was Diane, who we couldn't fit in. So Diane, don't hesitate yeah. to call right off the top next week, and we'll make sure that Carlos prioritizes your call. Yeah, for sure. Meeting. Yeah, and I wonder what. So you say there's supposed to be a lot of rain this week? Yeah. Well, at my place, I don't know. Have you looked at your weather? You know what? I haven't. I'm, okay. uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm jumping on a plane tomorrow. I'm heading down to Virginia oh, for some okay. Zoomer, Zoomer business. So I'll be down oh, there broadcasting. What uh, do but you I care will... about the weather here? Uh, yeah, I yeah, I don't you care. I'm looking look at the, I'm looking at the Virginia weather. <laughs> getting, bring, packing your speedo and getting ready to go to the yeah. beach. Probably. I will. I will bring back some pictures of what's growing down there. How's that? <laughs> yeah, it's ahead of us. That's for sure. Gotcha. All right. Thanks so much, Dean. Have a good trip. Have a safe trip. Thank you, Carlos. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.